0: The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guests' own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of AIHA. AIHA does not endorse any guest or the entity that they represent. On this episode of Healthier Workplaces, the topic is mental health and OEHS with our guest, Liz Hill.
1: I get to talk to a lot of people in occupational safety and health and in management in the work that I do and if there's one theme and one thing that I've seen that we really need to focus and work on in our workplaces over the next few years, it's mental health and well-being, belonging, psychological safety, and helping people be the best that they can be.
0: Welcome to another episode of Healthier Workplaces. I'm Bob Krell, founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors Media, and your host for this program from AIHA. Employee mental health can be a difficult area for organizations to address. When we come back, we'll be joined by Liz Hill to discuss the connection between mental health and workplace safety. Stay with us.
2: Hi, I'm Paula Steven and this is my husband Sean Hewitt. There we are. Yes, that's our little logo shown smaller than the large corporations, but it's there right next to the Workplace Health Without Borders logo. This all started as something silly and fun, really. When we made a small donation and found out that even with a donation as small as the one we made, our logo could be on all the swag. We didn't have a logo at the time, so we made one. You've probably wondered about industrial hygienists at Half Draft Acres, as you saw us flashed on all the screens at both face-to-face conferences and virtual ones. Well, here we are, just the two of us, two IHs, making a difference a tiny bit at a time. Industrial hygiene is close to our hearts, we both have a proud history of reducing injuries by ensuring workplace exposure levels aren't exceeded. And we care about what the future holds since the average professional is about 43 years old and since fewer students seem to be joining us, it's important to advance the profession by contributing to a scholarship that funds education and professional development in this field.
0: So welcome to Healthier Workplaces, Liz. Thank you for joining us. Uh, really important topic. We're talking about mental health and uh, in the workplace. Um, so that's uh, that's a topic that maybe people are a little afraid to broach, right?
1: Yeah, and, and thank you for having me, and thank you for your warm welcome. I'm excited to talk about this, and I would say I see this changing. Um, it used to be that people were very afraid to talk about it, and um, over the past few years, we've become more and more comfortable about talking about mental health in the workplace and the things that we can do as OEH, OEHS professionals. I'm still stumbling over that. Um, and also, you know, as managers and supervisors, all the things that we can do in our organizations to really help people um, have the best um, mental well-being that they can have.
0: Yeah. and that's And that's super important, right? I mean, uh, there is apparently uh you know i guess we, we don't talk about it enough but there is a, a definite connection right between mental health and workplace safety right? and it's uh you know let's talk about that a little bit how how you see the, those two linking and how they really you know are may or may not be entwined intertwined.
1: Well, I think what's interesting to me is that what um, I get to do in my job is, you know, total worker health advisor. And, and you know, I'll talk about total worker health a little bit later, maybe, is that one of the things that, that we talk about in the total worker health world is expanding what we think of as hazards and exposures. And um, that means we're looking at stress and stress in the workplace and stressors in the workplace as hazards. And so what comes into play then is psychosocial hazards and other stressors that we know are causing stress for folks. And that could be things like, oh, my relationship with my supervisor, but could also be things um, that we call working conditions, things like, what's my workload? Do I have enough time to get the work done that is expected of me? Um, are there other things going on in the workplace that are that are causing stress? What's the What's the tension, um, for example, between the demands that I have in the workplace and the demands that I have in my personal life? And do I feel like I have the flexibility to be able to take care of both of those um, demands that are placed upon me? That's another really big place that we see workplaces being able to offer some support that could could really help people's stress levels and um, foster mental well-being.
0: So I mean is this is this something that's commonly addressed in, in most workplace settings or I mean uh, honestly i I have this feeling that it's something that many employers are reluctant to uh, even enter into that right is it
1: I think we're seeing more and more and I think the way that that employers have dealt with it in the past really has been we are going to talk about stress management on the part of the employee, right? We're going to offer some benefits to you as far as employee assistance programs that are going to maybe offer you a certain number of sessions with a therapist or a counselor for an issue that you're dealing with, or we're going to teach you a little bit about how to manage the stress that you're experiencing. And what we're trying to say now and trying to get to now is, We're gonna look at the sources of the stress, which we know in occupational safety and health is where we really ought to be focusing our efforts in the first place when we think about any hazard and exposure is what's the source? How can we control that source um, in the best way possible? And then we're taking that to a, a level, an organizational level, so to speak, where we're managing the stressor instead of the person having to manage the stress that they're experiencing.
0: And I'm assuming like in the in the past, it, it was more of, uh, you know, dealing with the person, right? Having them, you know, again, have, like you said, have counseling sessions. Oh, you know, we will provide you this opportunity to, you know, to go to the outside counselor and everything. As opposed to, well, because I, cause I think maybe that was the focus not more so on the employee uh, or, the, or the worker having issues, uh, mental mental health health issues, perhaps, that were more related to outside the workforce or outside the workplace. I mean, like, I I think employers probably tried to take the focus off of the fact that they might be the stressor. <laughs>
1: <And> yes, so- <laughs> I think you're right. I think that's probably definitely part of it. Like not recognizing that there are workplace factors that were playing into the mental health um struggles that, that, that their employees and workers were experiencing. Um, like oh okay, well they're you know it's a personal problem or sure. you know they're having family issues that they're they're dealing with and okay, that takes the, the pressure off of us to have to really look at ourselves and see what what's going on within our organization. Um, I think the other thing that's happening is that you're hearing, and this is, you know, happening outside of um, maybe occupational safety and health realm, is the term psychological safety. I'm sure you've heard it. It's it's out there in in the management. Um, Realm, for example, that you know, our younger generation of workers are demanding psychological safety in the workplace. There's lots of good work out there around what psychological safety is, and many other countries have standards around psychological health and safety. And in fact, there is an ISO standard for um, psychosocial hazard management um, that's part of the 14, uh, excuse me, the 45,000. Um, series, So 45,003 came out in 2020, uh, which is the psychosocial um, hazard. And I'm going to probably say this wrong, that the psychosocial risk management and how that fits into um, all that other risk management systems. So uh, Canada has a voluntary standard. Uh, Australia has a standard that is a regulation and it's very interesting to see how other countries are dealing with this and thinking about psychological health and safety and how that plays um, with mental health in the workplace, because they're not different things and how they see that relationship to, well, what does that mean for safety in the workplace, so it's more than just Hey, we're managing these physical, or biological, or chemical hazards and exposures. We want people to feel safe here and have that experience of feeling safe.
0: So, def- define or you know, describe uh, some examples of, of psychological hazards that you know you might encounter in a workplace. I'm I already sure.
1: mentioned a few. So that's like my my experience with my supervisor. What's my relationship with my supervisor? What's my relationship with my coworkers? One that most people go to most commonly is their bullying and harassment in the, the workplace, but it can go to, are there policies and procedures that allow discrimination to happen in the workplace that, that, you know, might be an unintended consequence of a policy or procedure, but It's there, so there might be some discrimination happening. But it's also like, what do I have autonomy in the workplace? Um, What is my level of autonomy? And those things can all cause some psychological harm to us if we're not thinking about how that plays into the larger picture of how we experience our our work.
0: So I I guess that's a good segue, you know, to how how does an organization or or management. uh, have that hard conversation about mental health in a workplace environment? You know, how how, how do we actually, uh, what, what's the best way to address that, you know, in, in a corporate setting or in a workplace setting?
1: Well, you know, that's, that's a really good question. And I don't think there's like a one thing that any organization can do. Um, like there, I can't say, oh, if you do this, like it's a magic bullet. I think that every organization has their own kind of culture and can find things. But I think there's some really great examples out there. And one of them that I want to um, talk about is, um, for example, here in Oregon, a few years back, um, some large construction um, companies formed a construction suicide prevention partnership with um, an organization here that runs our suicide prevention line and um, other some other mental health support lines here in the state. Um, And they work together to really think about how do we look at, because we know we have high suicide rates in the construction industry. How do we support our workers? How do we really get to some practices that will help reduce suicide in the construction industry? And so they came up with some very practical things. So they have a suicide prevention plan template that construction firms can take and look and make their own. So looking at, okay, here's some things that you need to include, but you know you have specific conditions in your company that you might um, need to have this piece, but not that piece. Um, they did things like interactive toolbox talks where you actually have the conversation. So one of the first things that they really wanted to take on is you know, stopping the stigma, just talking about, we all have mental health struggles. You know, one in five Americans has um, a mental health struggle in, in a given year, you know, so talking about it in matter of fact ways, in ways that, you know, you can share your story in a way that models to others that it's okay to talk about it. And that is like a very low threshold, probably the first step that most Organizations should take is like how do we start reducing the stigma of mental health struggles and just start sharing stories and talking about it.
0: You know, yeah, and it, that's been taboo, though, right? And I mean, in, in the past, that's just like nobody, nobody wants to broach that. Not
1: talking about it. You know, and so there's some things that we can do besides just like, like I mentioned the toolbox talks. There's some trainings out there. So one of the the big initiatives here was to get um, QPR training which is question persuade refer training and it's a, a you know at a moment of crisis kind of thing how do you teach people what to ask and what to say what signs to look for in a person where you might know or recognize that oh wow this this person is really having a hard time how do I ask them what I can do to help or ask them what their intentions are and ask them and then know, hey, you know, okay, you work for XYZ company. I know that they have, um, you know, they have this therapist or they have this EAP. Or I know now that there's this nationwide suicide prevention hotline, 988. I'm going to just dial it for you and hand you my phone. And you're going to talk to somebody that is live and they're going to help you because I'm not a therapist, but I know how to get you to talk to somebody right now.
0: Yeah, and, that, and that's really the key, right? It's not so much mm-hmm. that we have to train management to be able to act as therapists. That, that's that's not the objective here. The objective is to provide resources and tools and be cognizant of the fact that maybe an employee is have having a, a difficult time. I mean, that's Absolutely. being aware, right? I mean, that, that's yep. difficult.
1: Yeah, and so that you know, there's and there's that. Uh, there's mental health first aid training. Um, so there's things that we can do that start building this culture of health of mental well-being of being aware of others and having respect and you know and it feeds into all these other kinds of things that that organizations have really leaned into in the past few years too you know DEI initiatives and efforts and you know how do we have people have this sense of belonging which we know is very important to having you know mental health and mental well-being um so it, it's it's all kind of works together. And we also know, uh, as we've mentioned before a couple of times in this conversation, the strong linkage to having um, strong safety in health cultures as well.
0: And that is a cultural shift, right? I mean, for, for for many organizations, this will be a cultural shift to actually take, you know, workplace safety has been at the forefront for a while and I think, you know, companies are very cognizant of that, you know, and, you know, worrying about workplace, you know, like you said, biological hazards, fall hazards, things like that. Uh, but, you know, the mental health issues, like, I, it, it doesn't seem like, it, it seems like that's super important. And it's something that's probably been vastly overlooked for a long time.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, and, and I hesitate to bring this up, because I feel sometimes, we're burned out about talking about the pandemic, but it really brought to um, the surface a lot of issues. And if you talk to organizations now, which I get to do, what they what they're really concerned about, um, you know, at executive level, at management level is we have a really high turnover, we're having a hard time keeping people. Our people are burned out. And if you look at healthcare, for example, I mean, the, the burnout levels are extremely high, and you have people leaving healthcare. We need our healthcare workers, right? We need people, uh, mental healthcare providers, you know, are leaving in high, high numbers for the same reason. They're just burnt out. And so they're suffering the same issues that, you know, we can all help with in the workplace. And there's really strong evidence that if we have supportive workplaces, that can be a really protective factor for people's mental health. Um, You know, there's an article that came out of a study just a few months ago that said your manager um, may have more impact on your mental health than your spouse or your therapist. And that's like huge right like so hmm and you know there's lots of research been done about having um if you can teach supervisors and managers how to be and exhibit supportive behaviors um that really has a huge impact on people's health but also their mental well-being and stress reduction and it can also be a very um great protective factor and these are things that we can teach Um, supervisors and managers how how to be. Not not everyone is a natural, empathetic leader, but we can teach them behaviors that exhibit those um, characteristics.
0: You know, and and you you selected you know healthcare as as an example. I think that's a really glaring example because healthcare professionals, especially during the pandemic, were you know especially frontline uh, providers that were in the ERs and deal you know dealing with the the critical care of uh, patients. uh, Obviously overworked, burned out, uh, fearful of their own exposures. Uh, Every every level of work work site stress was probably exemplified there. Uh, But that's really it, it was like like you mentioned. It's not healthcare is a glaring example of that, but probably in every Every business mm-hmm. sector, right? There was you know varying degrees. Obviously, you're not if you're not caring for people's health, it's it's a little different, but yeah, is it though? You know, you, you still have that fear of fear of exposure, fear of contracting yes. something from the workplace, bring it home to your family.
1: Yeah, and I glad I'm really glad you mentioned that because um you know that's one of the things we recognize in total worker health that not controlling and not protecting against the hazards and exposures that people are, are, you know, experiencing in the workplace, those, those very classic health and safety things that, that we know and have done so well for so long that contributes to people's stress and mental health. So if I'm going into a workplace that I know I am unsafe and could get physically harmed or, you know, um, be exposed to something that could create occupational disease, then that is adding to, um, you know, whatever else I'm experiencing and could definitely contribute to any mental health um, struggles that I could have.
0: You know, and I can see like employers, um, you know, obviously very, you know, I think mostly very conscious of, you know, if you have a biological hazard or some sort of a chemical hazard that you, you actually could bring home on your clothing or on your body, you know, without, you know, without, Doing proper PPE practices, you know, that, that's that's recognized, right? If somebody works in asbestos, obviously you you know you're, you're going through showers, you're changing clothes. Mm-hmm. You don't want to bring it home. But equally as damaging is bringing home mental stress to your family uh, environment coming from your workplace, right? And that's that's going to compound things because it's going to create perhaps interpersonal issues with your with your mm-hmm. loved ones and and your you know your friends and all your interactions. And then that compounds what happens when you go back to work the next day, right?
1: Right, and I think the other thing that we know is that it can lead to um, inappropriate coping mechanisms, shall we say, and substance use, and and that also can be correlated to workplace injury. So that's one of the things that we do see in construction industry, for example, that workplace injury is correlated with opioid use, which is correlated with alcohol use, which is correlated with the high rates of suicide that we um, see.
3: is our consultant, Sarah. She's always looking for ways to grow her network and increase her business, but advertising is expensive. There are lots of competitors, and sometimes she has trouble finding the right audience. Luckily for Sarah, the American Industrial Hygiene Association, AIHA, offers the perfect low-cost solution, the AIHA Consultants Listing. This listing is the perfect resource for consumers and businesses, and especially for those in need of highly specialized and qualified industrial hygienists. Every year, AIHA, IHA sends the consultants' listing to thousands of decision-makers nationwide in a variety of industries, including legal, real estate, trade associations, academics, hospitals, and all levels of government, including most federal agencies. It's also readily available online through their website. Sarah had no idea the Consultants Listing was such a valuable, low-cost resource. Now she knows getting into the directory makes perfect sense to better her business. It didn't take long before Sarah found her network expanding, and she was even pulling ahead of her competitors. The AIHA Consultants Listing, your link to building a larger network.
0: A real important takeaway here is how can an organization include mental health in a company's uh, OEHs programs?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked. I think there's a, some really great examples, as I mentioned, um, around the world where there are standards um, about how they're doing this. So I would look to Australia. There are standards there, and and you know, folks that are interested in looking at how do we do this in our organization. Can look there. I love the stuff that Canada is doing. It's a voluntary standard, but looking um, to them and seeing what they're doing and the examples they have. Um, Be Safe Saskatchewan is one of my favorites where they talk about the psychosocial risk and they talk about it in terms of risk management, which is something that's really familiar to us as occupational safety health professionals. And it is an easy way to think about um, you know, how do we start incorporating this into our safety management systems that we already have in place and making that case for, yeah, we need to really be looking at this as well. Um, and, you know, of course, there's the ISO 45003, which I already mentioned, that is a standard. And for those that are doing ISO, you know, it's it incorporate that into your work. And it, again, looks, takes it from the risk management standpoint and uh, that psychosocial risk. I would say Total Worker Health and the Total Worker Health Framework is a really excellent way to do this because we're talking about expanding risks and um, hazards in the workplace and how we think about those hazards and exposures that we have in the workplace, and it's just a natural fit. And as I go around and talk to the organizations that I work with, this is one of the topics and concepts that I include as must be part of any Total Worker Health efforts that you do. Um, And finally, I don't know um, how many folks would be familiar, but the Surgeon General recently came out with a framework for mental health, mental well-being in the workplace. And that is another great place to look for examples about how you might start incorporating this into your organization.
0: Yeah I saw tweets online about that yesterday actually that, that this is that that was uh, as Yeah far as it, it just
1: that yeah well they just released a new one about isolation loneliness and isolation right. epidemic so there's two there's one that they did last year um came out of his office that was talking about mental well-being in the broad sense and yesterday they released uh loneliness and isolation and there is um a work place focus um, area in that one that talks about social connection and how you can really start getting some social connection in your workplaces and bolstering those folks that maybe work is the only place they might get that social connection that's so important to us. So yeah, there's, there's really some, some good um, resources and examples out there about how you might start looking at to do this in your own organization.
0: And that maybe is a bigger factor now because still many people post-pandemic are still working from home, working on their own. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know people that, you know, live alone, uh, that their social interaction is their work. And like they spend a year plus or or maybe still continue to work from home and really spend most of their time not seeing people, you know, real time. You see it on video video connections like this some of the time, but that's really not the same interaction. I mean, there's some interaction, but it's still. Yeah,
1: yeah. Maybe folks are familiar with the Harvard study that we continue to see results coming out of and, you know, longevity and health into later life is really, really tied to social connection and having those social, um, you know, healthy social relationships. And so, you know, it can be really important and thinking about how you do social connection at work and especially, as you mentioned, in the the era of remote teams and how do you make this work and how do you foster those social connections can be really important to folks' mental health and and so there, there's a lot of moving pieces. And like I said, every organization is going to have maybe a little bit different flavor and a little bit different culture and a little bit different um, specific action that they're going to want to um, take to, to really um, think about, well, what, would, what do we need to do or, or what's missing for us in our organization to really, really um, start fostering mental well-being.
0: So that's our show for this week. We'll be back again with another episode of Healthier Workplaces. We'll be at AIHCE 2023 in Phoenix, Arizona later this month for some live special editions of the Healthier Workplaces show. I hope to see you there. Until next time, I'm Bob Krell, stay healthy.